You may be seated. Good morning, church family. And you do not have to adjust your screens or your eyeballs. Pastor Luke is here. He just got back in the wee AMs yesterday from Nicaragua. Hey, I think I said it right this time. Uh, so I get to preach and give you the words today. And what the Lord has laid on my heart is uh, from Romans chapter 8. It's not going to be on the screen, but grab your Bibles. And even the pew Bibles in front of you is page 1122. You can grab that, underline it, make it yours. If you don't have a Bible, then that is your Bible now. So um, Romans 8, page 1122. Uh, and some of the uh, reason this is on my heart is watching and seeing people of faith living out even when things are bad. Living out faith, even when things are bad. Living out faith, even when circumstances break you. And living out faith, even if all of the evidence says that God is not good, your faith says He is good. And in trusting God. So, Romans chapter 8, we're going to unpack it and we're going to dive into, so let's stand as we read God's word. We're going to start in Romans 8. I know what your bulletin says, but just stick with me. Start in Romans 8, 1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1, I'm going to say it one more time. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Move over to verse 28 with me, Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he, whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or a sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it pierce our hearts, our minds, and who we are in you. Father, may we readjust all of our life to your truth. So bring your word. Transform our minds. Transform our hearts. 
Help us to lean on you for all that we are, all that we have. Meet us right here, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So as we go through Romans 8, I'm going to unpack it and probably not even dive down all the way into it, just kind of zoom over. But Romans 8.1, special verse in my heart because I have to remind my brain that I am not condemned in Jesus Christ. I grew up in Alito. Some of you know me. Some of you know my past. Some of you were in my past, and I'm pointing at you. You just didn't know it. Okay. Aren't you thankful that there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ? And I, hang, I would hang that on my mirror in a three-by-five card, and every day the enemy that I have in my life was always trying to convince me that I'm bad, that God doesn't love me. And do you know what? Say that out loud. For there's no condemnation for those that are in Jesus Christ. And living that, living that out is like a battle cry, like, Nope, I am not saved by the things that I have done. I'm saved by Jesus Christ and what he's done for me and for all. So Romans 8, 1, we talk about condemnation. And my question to you is, do you know that you're not condemned? Do you have Jesus? And not just know him like, yeah, I know that. I've heard that. But is he your Lord and Savior You've handed him over your life, your sins, your heart, your mind, everything that you have, you've handed it to him. John 3.16, you've probably heard, for God so loved the world, but 17 says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that through his son, we would be saved. God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn it, right? So good news that he sent him in to save us. And then John 3.18 says, for those who have the Son are not condemned, but those who do not have the Son are condemned already. So my question to you, do you know that you don't have any condemnation? If you do, then you know Jesus. And I'm not just talking that superficial no. I'm talking you know him. I've, I've used this example before. I'm going to use it again. If I frequent the coffee shop every day, right? Heather is going to know me by name. Now she signs my drinks, right? All right, now Heather at the coffee shop could say, yes, I know Seth. Yep, he goes to the Baptist church, right? There's a no, Right? A surface level. She, know, she only likes what I drink. She only knows what I drink. Now, what if you were to go up and talk to my children and say, hey, do you know Seth? Now, do they know me? Yeah, you're going to get some dirt on Seth is what you're going to get. Oh, here. So then you go from the surface down a little further, right? What, what if you were to talk to my wife? Do you? Yeah, now we go down where I'm in big trouble right? But even if I was standing there and heard you talking to my wife, I could actually say over here, 
you still don't know me. Even to my own wife, there's still another, another level. You know, Christians, this is the level that we have to reach with Christ. That Paul and Peter say, we have to know Jesus so much that we fellowship with Him in His sufferings. You got me? Like, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We, we have to get to a level with Jesus Christ that they're challenging us to get to that says, if you're a disciple, you will suffer. In Romans 8, 17, it says, children and heirs and co-heirs with God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him. There's such a unity with Jesus that we have to get to that you're going to know his sufferings. Philippians 3.10 says it this way. Paul says, I want to know Jesus Christ and I want to fellowship in his sufferings and be crucified and put to death with him. That's getting to know someone. Such an intimate level that you would say, I feel what he feels. I have been united. Romans 6 says it this way. I've been united with Christ in a death like his. So that I can be united with him in a resurrection like his. Do you know him that way? Are we just surface level? Like, yeah, I know him, coffee shop. Oh, yeah, I know he's the son of God. I know he's the savior of the world. Yeah, I know. No, do you fellowship with him in his sufferings? You see, we've stepped into this fellowship between God and Jesus and this love between them. We fellowship right there. We've come into this love. They're one as we are one. Do you know you're there? Today's the day to settle that. I would love to talk to you about it privately, down here, anytime. Do you know Jesus this way? Romans 8.1, I'm going to say it one more time. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then we skip to 28, and it says, all things, and I'll read it, and we know that for those who love God, do you hear that? Those who love God, all things work together for good. Whew. Do you believe that, believers? All things. I've seen this go really bad. I was a neighbor to a man that lost his child, his firstborn. He lost his child, and a pastor friend of mine came over to his house to minister to him, and he told him this verse, all things happen for the good, and the man had such hatred for God that he wouldn't even believe. He wasn't a believer, and to get this news, like, no, no, this is not good in any way, and it just made him so enraged, I remember being outside trying to talk him down of his anger, like, He's ticked that this guy would even say this. Who is he? And The key is those who love God, all things work together for good. Do you believe it? 
Do you believe, folks, that love God, that he can work things out for good? Okay, I'm seeing some shaking, but I'm... Do you know this whole world wants to convince you that God's not good? Every circumstance, everything you go through, everything you've ever seen, every just horrible mass murder, anything, everything around us is trying to convince us that God is not good, God is not for you, God is not with you, God is condemning you, God is judging you, God is this, and, and he's saying, no, for those who love me, I'm working out good. Why? Why is he working out good? In verse 29, it says it this way. For those he foreknew, he predestined, and there it is the key, to be conformed to the image of his son. Ooh. This means I am a construction zone. I'm under construction. How many of you know I got a long way to go to be like Jesus? Thanks, everybody, for raising your hand for me. Okay, now you're, how many of you know you got a long way to go? Okay, yeah, we got five more hands. That's okay. What length would God go to make the image of his son in you? What length? We say, rescue me, Lord, save me. I want all the good things. I want all the pleasures. Oh, here comes suffering. I am not signing up for that. And none of us do. We don't sign up for it. But in it, God says, will you praise me? Do you still know I'm good even when you're suffering? Do you still know I'm good even when things are broken? Do you still know he's good even in a dark world? Because it's going to try and convince you. It's all to be made in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And then look at verse 32, Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Do you hear that? God, who didn't even spare his own son. And he gave him up for all of us. And you're now under construction, and God didn't even spare his own son, who is perfect, who is humble, who's meek, who's no sin, no struggles, no nothing. And he put him under suffering Do you think you should deserve better? How much more construction do I need? How much more humbling does God have to do with my heart when I've got pride in it and I've got sin in it and I've got brokenness? Jesus didn't have any of that and God placed on him suffering. And it said that he perfected him for, through suffering and humiliation. He was already perfect, but it was God got the glory because even in the garden when Jesus says, don't let me drink of this cup, right? Like, can this pass for me? Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want, Lord. And he even prayed, Jesus is praying, God, let me return to the glory that I had with you from the beginning. And God says, okay, you want that glory? Go to the cross. That was his prayer right before the cross. God didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for me. How much more will he graciously give me all things? That's the end of that verse. 
And in my mind, I think, ooh, God's going to give me, like, he's going to make it rain for my life, right? Like, it's going to be good, and I'm going to be on top, top notch. I got a Lamborghini, right? All those things. Isn't that what God's goodness is? And he's like, nope. I got some suffering for you. Well, I didn't sign up for that. He knows what is good in our life far beyond what we would even ever sign up for. In fact, when he called Paul to preach, when he called him to preach to the Gentiles, he said, I'm going to show Paul how much he must suffer for my name. You want to sign up for the ministry of Paul? The cool thing is, is God's good. He'll bring it, but he'll be in there with you. He'll walk with you. So underline, give us all things. I like underlining. You can, even if it's a pew Bible, just underline it. Give us all things. Do you know suffering is a gift? Last week, Luke, Pastor Luke was preaching about in the Old Testament that humble meant affliction. Do you think God's trying to work out humility into your life? Do you have affliction? Jesus was the most humblest person that ever walked this earth. And God still perfected him. (laughs) So to sum sum it up, I'm going to go quickly here. But verse 1 is no condemnation. Verse 28 is all things for the good of those who love God. 29 is to be in his image. And then 32, he didn't spare his son. When we go to verse 33, the question then comes, Paul starts asking his readers all these questions I'd love for you guys to answer. This is participation time. All right, wake up, Mike. Here we go. All right. Okay, if there's more than one Mike, I'm talking to that one. Okay. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? So answer whatever God puts on your heart. Who's going to bring a charge against you? Okay? I'm hard of hearing. (laughs) It is God who justifies. So think of it this way. God has justified you in Christ. Justified means you're not guilty. You're no trespasses. He's justified you. Who's going to bring a charge against you? Satan will try, but can he succeed? All right. Satan would love to bring a charge against you. Here's the thing is, God has justified me. Can Satan get past that? Here's the one way I heard a pastor say it is, I'm in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Everything Jesus did on the cross was for me. So therefore, if I'm in the blood of Jesus Christ and the devil wants to condemn me or come at me, he's got to come through the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he'd be saved. And then he'd be my brother. So Jesus would still save him. But he has no territory this side of the blood of Jesus Christ. But if you're not in this side, you don't know. And he's just condemning you, judging you, and saying, oh, you messed up again. Aren't you a flub? Shouldn't you just be in despair? Shouldn't you just have no hope? Shouldn't you just be depressed? How do you battle it? There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. 
God is working on me. This is going to happen out. God is going to work this out for good because I love him and I know he will. No one can bring a charge. Who can condemn you? See, he's asking the question, who can condemn you? Why do we condemn ourselves? Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy in condemnation. He's saying, if God has justified you, who could condemn you? It'd be cool to see the enemy try. I don't know, maybe a whole movie just went off my head. It'll come out later. Okay, sorry, moving on. (laughs) We've stepped into the love of the Father and the Son. We have fellowship there. Who can break that up? Nobody. It's so secure in his love, but I can tell you, my family, the whole world, and every circumstance you're in is going to try and convince you that it's not true. Don't believe the lie. And he goes on in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation separate us? No. Distress separate us? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. Not separate you from love of Christ, but we will not let you come to church if you're on that one. <laughs> we'll, da- yeah, move, okay, catch it up. All right. And then danger will not separate you from the love of Christ. Or a sword will not separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. And then he writes, for your sake, for God's sake, we're being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to the slaughter. And he says, no, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. Folks, it's, whether it's death or life, angels or demons, Things that are present in your life are things that are going to come. Powers, heights that we can't even obtain or lows that we can't even go to. Nothing in all of creation can separate you from that love that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord, through God. Can you take a breath with me, everybody? Okay, get a mint for your neighbor's sake. (laughs) I get to rest in the fact that God has done it all. But the work isn't finished. He's still working out something in me. So let's head to 2 Peter. In your pew Bible, this is 1207. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, 1207 in your pew Bible. Okay, so Romans 8 is like a declaration to all. This is what God has done in Jesus Christ. No condemnation. He's forming us into his image. He has given us everything we need, right? And we're going to dive into now everything out here comes in here. First Peter starts to lay out this gauge that all Christians should lay out in their lives and see if God is at work. And First, or it's Second Peter 1, we're going to start in verse 3. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. All right. 
It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Right here, God's divine power has given us everything we need. You get, underline that. He's given us all things. Are you lacking anything? You see, in my brain, I would say, yes, well, I'm lacking quite a bit. But it's all available. Right? I would say, Lord, I'm lacking in a lot of ways. And he would say, yes, I know, but it's all available. Come to him to receive. Come, for, come to him to produce these fruits that we're going to see. And he's called us to his own glory. Go to verse 4. By which he has granted to us, this is him granting to us, his precious and very great promises, so that through them you become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. His divine power is granted to us, and his divine wonderful promises that are in his word are given to us so that we can partake in here of his divine nature without any condemnation. We have a holy God living in us. Are we living him out? And this is what's awesome. Second Peter gives us a list. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation, then these things should be flowing out of you. You ready? Look at verse 5. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Uh-oh, so there's work for me to do. I am to make every effort to supplement to my faith virtue, and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with good godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Church family, this is the list that we should be producing in our lives, and I'm going to go through each one. The first one is faith, right where I started. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you do not have faith in him, it's not me talking. Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith must be in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There's no other name under heaven which we're given to be saved. It is Jesus alone. Faith starts there. The next one. Before I move on, I'll share a story with you. I saw a faith last week that was beautiful. And this person a week ago was facing death, and she knew it. She knew death was coming. You could say she was on her deathbed, and it was just because of oxygen and lack of. And I got to, a week ago, I got to share communion with her. And a special moment there where she knows she's going to go see Jesus. And she's pumped about it. And so we're in between the bread and the juice, and right in between this 
She giggled. And it's just her and I in the room, so I have to ask, what's so funny? And she said, uh, wouldn't it be awesome if I just went home right now to be with Jesus? And I thought about it, and I said, no. <laughs> They'd wonder what I gave you in here. No, not at all. Don't do that to me. I'm visiting you. And she giggled again. She goes, well, that would be your problem. <laughs> like, thanks, sis. Yeah. What kind of communion is this? Okay. To see a faith in the face of death. And a sweet moment to say, remember, you're not saved of good works that you've done. You're saved by his, his work on the cross. We can muster up all the goodness in us and it will not save us. We have to come to Jesus Christ. And she lived it and she had faith and it was beautiful to watch and she got to go be with the Lord. And literally almost a week and to the minute later. The next one is virtue. Virtue means excellence. The virtue is like the fulfillment of a thing. Like if you're driving by the fields in the summertime, you see the crops and they're starting to produce, right? This is virtue. This is excellent. This is the right tool, the right time. Um, I used to take screwdrivers, right, and use them wrong. And I always had someone, the right tool for the right job. Okay, some of you know that screwdrivers aren't pry bars. Okay, so I would always get in trouble in shop class for that. That's not, a, that's not a paint scraper. That's a screwdriver. Do you know that the cool thing about the virtue that we're called to, it goes back up to God's glory and excellence? It's him. We're called to him. Yeah, this is really going to be bad, but it's going to date me. I could just picture God being like, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Maybe not a good time for a Bill and Ted deal. Okay. Because when we're living out Jesus Christ, that's what he would say. It's a virtue. It's excellence. The next one is knowledge. And this is the one I found tricky because it's not a knowledge. Let's just fill our head with a bunch of the Bible and let's just be brainiacs and tell everybody what they're doing wrong. God says, no, I want you to live out knowledge that makes it into your actions your hands, your feet. I want you to live this out. And then the next one is self-control. And some of your Bibles will say temperance. This is like an athlete that disciplines their body, disciplines everything they are in order to win the race. So are you disciplined for Christ? Bible reading, prayer, fasting, God has made so many good things that sometimes the good things without self-control becomes the sin. So we need self-control. It is the spirit that can produce it in us. Steadfastness and patience. Ooh. To endure when circumstances are difficult. How you handle pressure. James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you Fall into various trials. 
Did you sign up for that? But you're in the trial, so what you need to do is get down on your knees and thank him for it. In fact, there's a man in the building, and I'm trying not to look at him because I'm going to cry, but I heard him thank God for his mother going to heaven because it's rescuing his dad. We're praying to get to heaven. And he's thanking God, and he's being steadfast. Another man was thanking God for his own dad's death to witness to his family. <laughs> I had a pastor friend of mine said that he's working on patience, so this is what he does. When he goes to Walmart and he sees the super long line, that's the one he gets in. I'm like, bless you, brother. I'm not doing that one. <laughs> so like, Woo! So he goes in the long line and he says that's his time to pray and thank God that he's working out patience in him. Okay, we're under construction, right? We're under construction. Just because we go here doesn't mean we're perfect here, right? Okay, the next one, godliness. In the original Greek, this means to worship well, but it simply means God-likeness, to be like God. The person that is like this is above the petty things of life, above the passions and above the pressures. You know why? Because they know God's in control. God is working out all things for the good of those who love him. Can you live on a higher level between the passions? Okay, moving on. Brotherly kindness. This is phileo in the Greek. It means brotherly affection. So if you love Jesus Christ, the first John tells us if you love Jesus, then you're going to have to love all the brothers and sisters that are in the church. Do you know that? We're supposed to have a brotherly love for one another. How many of you shake your head if you know this? Okay. Okay. We're supposed to have, then it says brotherly love, brotherly affection, and then love, agape, sacrificial love. To qualify these two is brotherly love is what I have for my church family. Agape is what I'm going to have for the world in disagreement to me. Do you know the Bible says that this agape love in the end times, in the later days, they will grow cold. In the church family, it's going to be like ice. You will not love people that are opposed to you. Why? Because you don't even have the Spirit of God in order to agape them. How can we say we love God and then look at someone and not love them? This love is huge. And here's the cool thing. All of these, Peter says, all of these, if these qualities, I'm at verse 8, for all of these qualities are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, it's about knowing but when you lay this gauge to your life, are you growing? And if there's any lack in any area, the Bible says we have a promise that when we bow our knees and we confess, God forgives us of all unrighteousness. Sometimes it's just a reset. In fact, let's do it. Let's bow our heads. The band's going to come and I'm going to try and sum it up. Bow your heads, close your eyes.
what God has done. Is he's loved the world so much that he gave Jesus Christ. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know him as yours? Do you know that you're not condemned? Do you know you're under construction? Do you know if you need a reset today? Father, you know each heart. You know each broken heart. You know each of us that are wayward, wandering, or just not even knowing if we're in your fold. Just reach out and grab us. Help us to confess with our mouth. Help us to believe in our heart. Lord, we want to give you all that we are and all that we have, but I pray that that amount is not enough because you must do this in us. But we must make every effort to yield, to submit, to lay down our life to give you every part. Forgive us if we only give over pieces, Lord, but teach us to give the whole amount. Nothing holding back. We love you. We thank you for hearing our hearts, knowing them, and calling them to yourself. Thank you for that great love that will never separate us in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can do uh, the business right where you are. The altar is also open if you want to come up, you need prayer. Above all, just know he loves you and you're in that love when you're in Christ. Let's stand and let's sing Revelation. Revelation.